You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 246 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, December 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show's on Twitter as well at LockedOnRaptors, uh, where you can find links to every single episode. Find links to things I've written for LockedOnRaptors.com. Uh, I have a couple things up there right now. You can check out the Locked On Raptors advent calendar, which is I've been posting on that every single day this month, updating in a countdown to Christmas Day and the games that we're going to all watch through a haze of food and alcohol on Christmas Day. Um, so you can check that out there. It's uh, It's been fun. Yesterday I wrote about Danielle Marshall. I'm not sure who I'm going to write about today for uh, countdown day number 11, but we'll, uh, well, that'll be a surprise for you, I'm sure. Uh, you can also check out the piece I wrote about Serge Ibaka. It was the what didn't suck for the loss against the Clippers on Monday, and Serge Ibaka did not suck in that game, and he's been very good of late. He was awesome against the Suns on Wednesday night as well, so if you want to check that out there, uh, it should be still fresh because Serge played another good game after I wrote it. Uh, you can make sure you check out the Locked On uh, Podcast Network, of course. There's team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, on the Locked On NBA and NFL podcast channels on iTunes. It's a fantastic resource for the local perspective on all the biggest stories around those two leagues. Uh, if there's a team you're particularly interested in, maybe a team that, uh, actually this is something that a couple of listeners I, I have have kind of gotten to me about. If the Raptors have a team coming up, go find the uh, opposite Locked On podcast. So if, the, if you want to listen to Locked On Nets ahead of tomorrow's game, check out Locked On Nets uh, with Gavin Shaw. It'll be a great sort of preview from the Nets perspective before that. That game, the Damari Carroll revenge game, uh, so you can do that, and uh, it's a it's a great way to sort of get acquainted with the different hosts around the league. And if you like a host, you can subscribe to their show separately on iTunes and leave them a rating or a review. And you can do that with us. Please do that with Lockdown Raptors. Leave a rating, leave a review. It takes no time at all. Helps to move us up the rankings. It's a very nice thing for you to do, and it's the holidays, so please be nice and leave a rating. It's a wonderful gift to give uh, me. That's all I ask for. It costs no money, takes no time, and uh, it's a it's a big help. Moves us up the rankings and makes us more discoverable. Uh, all right, on today's show i am joined by the great james herbert at outside the nba uh, you might know him from on twitter uh, he wrote a great piece for cbssports.com about the raptors and how they've gone about changing their offense uh, a lot of great reporting in there lots of cool little anecdotes and nuggets from nick nurse and Dwayne casey and cj miles and a bunch of guys incorporated with the team damari carroll's featured in it as well uh is uh it's a really great piece that you should definitely read uh, and check out from james on cbssports.com james been on the show before james is awesome he knows what he's talking about so we got into his piece and his belief in the raptors changes and whether or not it's going to you know withstand over the course of the season how they've gone about getting to this change and some interesting methods they've used to sort of get the habits out of guys and, and sort of update them to the modern nba really great stuff uh and james is awesome as always before we get to that though i want to tell you about our new sponsor and that is my bookie Holiday cash, you need it, and I know where to get it. My bookie is the place to score serious cash on your sports predictions. Believe it or not, the holidays are just around the corner, and while that means plenty of parties, gifts, and spending, it also means there's lots of football, basketball, and hockey games you can score big on every day. Play like the pros on game day. You can play the money line, side, or total. MyBookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. Where you bet is just as important as where you're betting on. If you want to make money betting the games, you go to mybookie.ag. They're the only site I'd recommend. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. They have odds on every matchup and mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. 
All right, let's get to the conversation now with James Herbert. Uh, once again, one of the, he's like a Hall of Famer from Lockdown Raptors. I think this is his fourth appearance, and uh, they've all been wonderful so far. Uh, and this one is no different. So enjoy the conversation with James, uh, and we will talk to you for Friday's episode. I'm probably going to do a post-gamer from the ACC. I'm covering the game tomorrow against the Nets, so uh, it might be a post-gamer uh, with somebody that I you know corral at the game, hopefully, to do it with me uh, after the game. Hopefully I get lucky enough that someone's around to do it. Probably Dan Reynolds or Joseph Kishar because those guys are uh, very uh, acceptable, accepting, acceptable. They, they are easy to con into doing the podcast. So uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow night after the Raptors game against the Nets. Uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy the, the your Friday, I guess. I don't know. Enjoy your Thursday night. Enjoy everything. Everything's good except uh, most things. So uh, have a good one and uh, enjoy the conversation with James Herbert. Cheers. All right, joining me today on Locked on Raptors to talk about his excellent piece for CBSSports.com about the Raptors and their culture reset and their changing of their offense. Uh, friend of the show, been on the show three times, I think, before, here for his fourth time. It's James Herbert. How are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me again. I feel very welcome here. Well, you uh, you you do things that uh, d- don't happen on this, like re- actual reporting and things like that. So uh, we're very happy to have you. You did some very good reporting on this story. Uh, talked to Nick Nurse. It seems like pretty in depth. C.J. Miles is awesome. Uh, that comes through in everything you read uh, that C.J. Miles is a part of. Um, and yeah, you did a really good job of kind of detailing how the Raptors have gone about changing their offense this season and kind of trying to leave their bad habits in the past. Um, what was sort of the inspiration for going into this? Is it just that you <laughs> you were witness to a lot of the bad years of uh, stagnant isolation offense and you're, you're uh, yearning to catch up with the team as they change things? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always interested in the Raptors and I think what they've done this year, it, it has been covered, but I'm not sure that everyone quite understands how drastically they've changed things. Right. Because, yeah, the roster's mostly the same. But also, like, the entire bench is different, and their entire style of play is different. And, like, there will be some people who downplay it a little bit. Um, and I think that's partially because it has been a topic of conversation, and sometimes you get sick of talking about it. Um, and they're not trying to totally dismiss everything they did before, and they're not trying to put an enormous amount of expectations on themselves that this is definitely going to fix all their playoff problems. Uh, But the reality is they took a look at themselves after a rough experience in the playoffs last year, asked some hard questions and decided they would do a fairly significant shakeup here. And it's, as other people have pointed out, it's not just in terms of like the roster, although there was significant roster movement um, in terms of the bench and the role players on this team. And, uh, I think bringing C.J. Miles was a big deal. I think elevating the bench guys was a big deal. Uh, but just in terms of the way they were approaching the offensive side of the ball, they're, they're totally different. Watching them this year is a totally different experience than, than watching them in the past. And I think um, it wasn't a simple thing. It wasn't necessarily an easy thing. And I think when you look at the results of the season so far, it hasn't been perfect. And they've actually, like, they're coming off a couple of kind of rough games, even though they managed to win in Phoenix. Um, but when you look at the results so far, I think they are overwhelmingly positive, And I think there's reason to be encouraged about what they're doing. And this is a team that I think, you know, outside of Toronto, there wasn't a ton of interest in them coming into the season. I think a lot of people were sort of bored with them. And I think the point of my story was, hey, look, uh, there's actually something pretty interesting going on there. 
Yeah, I think people kind of looked at the Raptors and like looked at the four veterans they lost, even though Damari Carroll, you could argue how big a loss that was, despite him playing really well uh, with the Nets this season. But um, yeah, it seemed like people were penciling them in to be like the fifth or sixth seed in some places. And I just didn't really see it because Kyle Lowry is kind of what makes this team go. Same with DeMar DeRozan. And those guys were there. Same with Serge Ibaka. Um, so I didn't really understand like the kind of lowballing their expectations coming into the year. Uh, but it was always going to depend on how the young guys sort of adapted. And maybe this new system is kind of helped to make those young guys more useful faster. You talked about it in the piece how, um, you know, there was the issue last season. You talked to Damari Carroll about it and how there wasn't much trust between the star players and the role players. And that led to a lot of issues in the playoffs. It led to, you know, Patrick Patterson traveling when he would have a wide open three. Um, it led to just nobody being able to make their shots when it mattered outside of like Norman Powell, if you're talking the role guys last year in the playoffs. Um, and I, 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 it's hard to really deny that the new style of offense has helped sort of get guys more comfortable with making decisions with the ball in their hands without having like, maybe it's like a fear of screwing up. Is that kind of, like, would you say that's maybe fair to categorize like how uh, it felt like when Patrick Patterson and Damari Carroll were, were trying to make a play with the ball when it came to them? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, that's why I, I put a video in the story of some selected plays from last year's playoffs uh, with the role players just missing wide open shots. Um, and, it's it's not that these were all a result of like awful offense and they couldn't generate good shots. It's that sometimes they generated good shots, but people weren't ready. Like they weren't ready to make a play yeah. or make a shot. And part of that was because they had to like change things up as a reaction to the defense that they were seeing. Right. So the idea is they they shouldn't have to make an enormous adjustment in the playoffs this time. Guys should just be ready and like. Credit where credit is due. I didn't go deep with Demari Carroll. I just talked to him for a couple of minutes. Ryan Wolstat, the Wazzle, uh, <laughs> as he is known in Toronto media circles, talked to Demari right after the trade in the summer, and Demari took a lot of heat for his comments. But I think while you could quibble with the timing of them, and and you could say maybe it wasn't the most polite way to go out, I don't think anyone really had much issue with like the substance of what he was saying. Like his basic point was that. It was hard to cut when the lane was clogged because DeMar was in the mid-range and Valanciunas was in the post. Uh, he was coming from an Atlanta system where they moved the ball, and when he signed there, um, he was told that the plan was to move it more, and he was going to be a big part of that. And the style didn't really shift. I think there, it, it's a little overblown um, in terms of calling the Raptors an ISO team the past few years. I think they were more of a pick-and-roll team, but I think... The, the criticisms of like the offense bogging down and getting stagnated sometimes like that was totally valid and I think they're trying to play a style of basketball now that is extremely similar to the way Carroll played in Atlanta where if you go back and read the old like glowing features about that 60 win Hawks team you'll see the same quotes from from different people I remember Kyle Korver talking about how just fun it was to be in that offense because you're always involved. You might not even be shooting, mm -hmm. but every possession you'll be setting a screen that matters or you'll be touching the ball, you'll be moving it, you'll be cutting. Everyone would feel a part of the success that they were having. And I, I'm not sure that was always the case in Toronto. And that doesn't mean that the offense was terrible, it was garbage. No, it was, it was still an incredibly effective offense in the regular season, mm -hmm. but it didn't translate well to the playoffs and they felt like they had to make a change. And, and one of the things in talking to Nick Nurse and in talking to Dwayne Casey that they kept saying was like, yeah, this is more about the role players and the other guys, those guys that were missing shots. 
in the playoffs. It's about making them better players, making them more confident, and getting them prepared to step up and make plays. So you don't have to go and ask Kyle and DeMar, like, you really have to trust this guy who's shooting 20%. Like, <laughs> you, you want them to trust them because they've earned it, yeah. right? And, and they're getting the whole season to sort of prove that they deserve that trust in those big moments when they matter. And I think, by and large, they've really done that. I know the bench production over the past few games has not been the same as what it was earlier on. I think part of that is attributed to, to the injuries. Um, I don't know. But this has been one of the best benches in the league, and I think a lot of people doubted that that would still be the case after the, the roster turnover in the summer. Yeah, like when what was your kind of impression when coming into the season? Like, Did you think they were going to be able to do it? Because... I was kind of resigned, I think, uh, to the whole idea of, like, just bring everybody back. It's not going to change very much, but that's fine uh, because I've accepted, like, whatever the ceiling for this Raptors team is. And I was like, all right, let's just let's just go with it for the next few years. If things change, great. I'm not expecting it to. Uh, but I don't think that's bad. And I think maybe the Raptors are handicapped by their personnel. Maybe they're handicapped by Lowry and DeRozan. Kind of uh, the offense in the past, had, I, I always kind of thought it had been tailored to their strengths. And that's why it was yeah. so successful. And I didn't really think that they had... Maybe, Maybe less so Lowry than DeRozan, but I didn't think DeRozan especially had the you know ability to go outside of his comfort zone. And I, maybe I underestimated him there, and obviously I did because he's done a lot more than I would have expected as sort of a secondary slash sort of primary creator this season. Uh, you've mentioned the piece. He's averaging 6.8 assists over his last seven games. Um, he just looks more eager to get people involved, and I just didn't think that was going to be the case. I, I thought he had been you know, become a much better playmaker over the last couple seasons, but I didn't think it would get to this level. And I just kind of thought they were hamstrung by their personnel, both the stars and the role players. I mean, I think that, like Jonas Valanciunas, for example, I didn't expect him to be throwing like beautiful little bounce passes to cutters. Like he's doing that yeah. this season, uh, and we've never seen that before. Even Serge Ibaka's looked kind of nice. Uh, making plays with the ball in his hands, and that was never the case last season either with the Raptors or ever before for him with, with any team he's been on. So, like, I just thought they were hamstrung by what they had, and I was willing to accept that and accept 50-ish wins and be fine with it. Um, but, like, the fact that this has happened, and it's kind of changed my outlook, and it's just a lot more fun now. And you can kind of dream a little bit on what it could be. I mean, you know, obviously the Cavs are still there. Um, there's other teams in the East as well that are of concern. But uh, I just think it, the, the ability to change, I think, is something I wasn't expecting. Did you expect or predict that they'd be able to do it coming into this season? I didn't know it would be quite like this. I, yeah. I thought the bench production would fall off a bit. Like, it's just certainly more than it has. Um, I've been really impressed with, with DeRozan and Lowry, the way that they've handled this. And I wanted that to come through in the piece. I think it's always interesting to me in the NBA when you talk about style of play because it's like some teams, they just have a system. Some coaches, they just have a system. And it's all about, well, how is this guy going to look in a D'Antoni offense? Like, I wouldn't say that the Raptors over the past few years have been a team like that. I think they've constructed something that worked around the players that they had. And if you're ever trying to defend um, the offensive system from criticism in the past few years, the first thing you do is you point to the efficiency and you'd say, yeah, this is unconventional, but they get to the line a ton, they take care of the ball, and it works. Mm -hmm. And the second thing you do is you point to sort of what you were alluding to is a limitation of some of the guys on the roster. And you would say, well, how are they going to be this team that passes the way the Spurs do when their big men are Jonas Valanciunas and whoever happened to be playing power forward at that time? Like Serge Ibaka certainly is not the guy that most people think of as a guy who is a great playmaker in space or a great passer, a creative 
playmaker kind of guy. Like no, nobody ever thought of him that way. And I think honestly, there's still probably some questions of like, okay, in the playoffs, if it comes down to it, and you're asking these guys to make plays at a high level against defenses that are going to scout them intensely, like is that going to work, or are you going to have to ask them to do less? Like that, that's some of the things we don't know. Like we we yeah. don't know exactly how it will work, but I think a bold and courageous thing they did was say, we know that we're not looking at like Pau Gasol and Boris Diaw here, <laughs> but we're going to change the system and we're going to challenge you to make it work. Like we're, we're like they have Valanciunas handling the ball on the perimeter, doing dribble handoffs, feeling more involved in the system. You see him put the ball on the floor more. You see Ibaka put the ball on the floor more. And I, one of the interesting things about this system change is going to be to me like who survived this like over the next few years Mm -hmm. like when they really want everybody on the roster to be able to shoot to be able to make plays to be able to pass um they've clearly geared their player development to that and that's one thing that nick nurse said um was really important that some people like is a, a sort of thing that hasn't quite been told um when the story has been told is like they've been drilling this stuff they did it all summer they did it all training camp and, and that, that's a big piece of this. And to me, over the next few years, it'll be, well, who can fit into that now? Like, who, who is going to really thrive in that system now that this is the system? And it, it's funny because they've had a lot of success, but I wouldn't even say that they have the ideal roster for this. And you mm. can even just, just – all you have to do is go down and look at everybody's three-point percentage. <laughs> like, so, and and it's, it's not a perfect fit. But they had the courage to go and do it anyway and and try to see how it worked and try to tell these guys, you make these shots in practice, you work on it. If you're wide open in a game, like, yeah, Jonas Valanciunas, shoot that three. DeMar DeRozan, shoot that three. DeMar DeRozan hasn't made a three in almost a month now. <laughs> He's still taking two and a half of them per game. Um, I talked to Nick Nurse, like, this is a few weeks ago now, but at the time he was saying he was so encouraged by the fact that he was shooting them and he looked comfortable, and he thought he'd get better and better. And I, I think that that's that's a big thing, is just being willing to take that shot and live with the result regardless of what it is. They don't want guys hesitating. And and I think thus far, um, as opposed to in the playoffs last year, like like we, we've <laughs> seen guys step up and take those shots. Uh, the percentages haven't always been pretty, uh, but it, it's not a situation like, in the in the first few games of the preseason, you were looking at the percentages and saying, "What are they doing?" Like they 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 figured out where to shoot from for the most part. They're a decent three point shooting team, and their attempts are up where they should be to be a great offensive team in the modern NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think like I've talked about this. Just I think a lot of the threes are coming from the guys you want them to come from. Like they're pretty concentrated when it comes to Lowry and Serge and Miles. Like Miles is averaging like. 12 threes attempted per 36 minutes or some crazy stuff like that. So I think... Which is great. Yeah, it's awesome. And the fact that OG is yeah. shooting so well, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. But I do think that the, the shots they're getting are coming from the right guys. And, like, I, and you know, the fact that Siakam's okay putting up two a game even though they're going to miss, I think that's cool okay. too. Kind of the same in, in the same line of thinking as DeRozan. Um, one of the things I really liked about your story was in the start of it. Uh, you kind of detailed the five-on-five drills they did over the course of the summer and in camp. And how the Raptors, you know, the the way they would play these games is they would score corner threes as four, uh, regular threes from above the break would be three points, and then uh-huh. they'd give they'd be you know layups and stuff would be regular, but they'd give zero or negative one for mid range shots. 
Have you ever heard of any team doing this before? Because I, I haven't heard anyone talk about this, talk about the Raptors doing that, let alone any other team around the league. Because that's a uh, kind of an interesting way to sort of, I guess, just train like Pavlovian style, try to get the like the bad shots out of a guy's shot chart. Yeah, no, I, I've never heard of anything like that before. I'm actually curious to see if there's any team like maybe Houston had done that in the past, yeah. or I, I, I should I should probably ask around, but. Um, that, that was one of those things that as soon as I as I got that I was like that's going right in the front of the story like yeah. that to me says so much um, about where their priorities are that they were literally punishing people if you took a mid-range shot it was either a turnover <laughs> or you were losing a point for your team and like that that is going to make you focus on avoiding those areas and it's also going to tell your your defenders like on, on the other end like these are the shots that we're really going to pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it makes, I think it makes you work, it makes you change your habits. It, it makes you think about the game and like what your objectives are a little bit differently. I thought CJ Miles put it pretty well. Like it makes you look for that guy in the corner when ordinarily you might be looking at the basket, right? Yeah. And that that's something that they really wanted to do as a team. And, like, now this doesn't mean that DeMar DeRozan isn't allowed to shoot mid-range jumpers anymore. That would be crazy. That's that's not what they've done here. But for pretty much anyone else, like, that's usually going to be a bad shot. Like, they don't want that unless it's a last resort. And that's the way that most of the best offensive teams have been playing for a long time now. Uh, there are stars who are able to break those rules. Uh, but in general, the numbers are the numbers. And you, you don't want a non-paint two unless it is completely open for a good shooter in rhythm mm-hmm. and it, that that opportunity just presents itself you you the point of your offense is to look for something better because you can get those shots yeah absolutely and uh yeah it, it's the, the thing with the raptors and, and Dwayne casey talked about this in the in the preseason as well and how like you mentioned the the mid-range shots for DeMar and how those are still okay because he's really good at them and those are shots that he's hit for his entire career um you know I I do I was worried I think at the start of the season when they were you know in the preseason when they were putting up like 45 threes a game I was worried about them maybe losing a bit of the old the old identity that made them really good as well I mean I think there's a way I think there's room to sort of blend the two styles and I think they've done that pretty well I think they've given DeMar the leeway to to take those shots that you know Daryl Morey would go crazy over um, but at the same time, I do think there's they're missing a couple of things from last season. That I, and I guess the main thing would be that they're kind of missing, uh, I think, Kyle Lowry's sort of pull-up threat a little bit right now. Um, I think his offense has been, you know, obviously the last month or so, he's been ridiculous. He's been shooting out of his mind. Um, he's been setting guys up a little bit more than he would be scoring. But uh, I do kind of miss just like Kyle Lowry coming around to high screen and bombing for three because we haven't really seen that much this season. Um, are there other things about the Raptors' offense that like you, you think maybe they could incorporate from the past to sort of bring up into this new system now that they've got these habits ingrained in them, or are you okay just leaving everything that they once did back in the past? No, I mean, but I don't. I don't think they've left it in the past. I mean, look yeah. at Demar's free throw numbers the past few games. Like they still want to be a low turnover team, a team that draws a ton of fouls um they just also want to play faster and shoot more threes and pass the ball more right Mm -hmm. and i larry has been a little up and down um but the funny thing is this this piece was supposed to be published um earlier this week um if not last week it got pushed back a couple of times and larry's past three games have been a little rough (laughs) um (laughs) 
But it was really looking to me, but when the time I was actually like reporting and writing this thing, that he had turned the corner because I think he had struggled with the new system more than DeMar had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about that a little bit. And then he just went on this huge tear where he was on fire. And I thought he really knew where his spots were, knew when, when to be aggressive, when not to be. And it was honestly, it was a huge change for him. This is a guy that would be initiating everything in the past. And now he's often like just giving the ball up when he passes half court and then cutting or setting a screen or running around a screen or, or what have you. Now the ball as Nick Nurse said to me, like the ball usually eventually finds him again yeah. um, with fewer seconds on the shot clock and time for him to make a play. But I, I think that did totally take him out of his comfort zone and took him some time to adjust. I think by and large, he has adjusted really well despite the past few games. Um, but what you identified, the the pull-up threes, yeah, of course. Of course, that is something that the Raptors want to see him do more, that he needs to do more. That was why he was so incredibly efficient last season. I, I would say when they were through mid-January with a top offense in the league and you just compared what they were doing last year to the season before, um, some of it, like DeRozan started the season incredibly hot, but like a lot of that improvement was simply because Lowry was taking more of those pull-up threes and making yeah. them. Like that, that, was, that accounted for a lot of the Raptors' efficiency. And I think, of course, like especially once they get into the playoffs like that just the threat of him going around a screen and just launching a three and making uh the opposing team guard him out there that that is going to be huge that immediately gives the raptors an advantage and if he's shooting fewer of them if he's not making them at the same rate then yeah that is going to hurt the offense and that's something that they're going to want him to do but i i just think in general um there's not a ton that i miss about the old system because I think for the most part uh, they've been able to carry the good stuff over right yeah the the Lowry thing he uh, I, I do I think that's that shot isn't just what made him good last season I don't think I think that's kind of the shot that unlocked him as a player um, so I would like to see it back a little bit more and you mentioned that he's okay to sort of you know drop the ball off and sort of go run around off the ball a little bit I think the Raptors have gotten into some issues in late game situations even last night where maybe Kyle's a little bit too passive in those situations. I mean, uh-huh. you know, it's great to be, you know, egalitarian and everything and have Fred Van Vliet be part of the offense, but I'd rather have Kyle, you know, initiating as much as possible in crunch time as opposed to Fred kind of, you know, getting the green light to be the catalyst kind of whatever he wants. Um, so, But that's just like a balance thing, right? They'll figure that out over the course yeah. of the season. This is what this season is about. It's sort of adapting and changing to, to the new norm, and I think over the course of the season they'll find the right balance. Um, they'll find the crunch time lineups to work for them. I still think that's kind of the biggest question facing the team right now is like what their best lineup is going to be because they just haven't really gotten enough of a sample of any lineup because they have so many good players that they're just mis- mixing and matching all over the place. Um, but that's what the season's all about. Um, so Yeah, and I mean the balance yeah. stuff, like that's, that's a really important point because I mean we can all fall in love with the movement of the passing and everybody being involved. But like sometimes, I mean, you watch the Rockets and they'll just play five out most people are just standing still, spacing the floor, and then there you have Chris Paul or James Harden having an opportunity to go one-on-one, mm-hmm. and if help comes, there's a wide-open shot, or they're just getting right to the basket. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with the Raptors doing the same thing, spacing the floor, and having DeMar or Kyle attack. Like, there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just, it's a balanced thing. You don't want to be predictable. You don't want defenses to be able to settle in and know that if we take this guy out, they're, they're going to basically self-destruct. 
And that, to me, was the biggest point that, that Nurse made, was that they don't want to be an easy scout in the playoffs. They want to be unpredictable. They want multiple guys to be a threat. Fair enough. So ultimately, yeah, the playoffs are going to be the time when this is all sort of judged, right? Like, it's great to do it in the regular season, but if they revert back come playoff time, and I, I'm growing more and more confident that they won't over the course of time, but like if they do revert back, like this will all be for naught, and there will be the same questions that there were at the end of last season, I'm sure, about Dwayne Casey and the viability of Kyle and DeMar as your two best players. Um, and I guess there have been a couple games this season in which maybe they could sort of stand as red flags. And they've come against the Warriors and Celtics. Uh, late in those games, like the offense kind of reverted back to, you know, old DeMar doing his ISO thing. Uh, not much in the way of movement or screen setting or anything in those situations. And the Raptors lost those games. And you, you could argue that maybe it's smarter to play isolation and safe conservative offense against the defenses of the Warriors and Celtics. But they also might have cost themselves by not being creative enough on offense. And those have been the two best defenses they played this season, probably. Um, and those are the two yeah. closest crunch time games they played. And they did revert back. How concerned do those games make you that come playoff time they're going to do the exact same thing against better competition? Yeah, I mean, those games don't concern me because, I mean, the, the Golden State one was like a weekend of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the fact that that game was close <laughs> is, is sort of a moral victory for Toronto. <laughs> I think the fact that they lost, what was it, a one-point loss to Boston, something yeah, like that? Like, yeah. That was a really tight game, could have gone either way. Um, I understand being discouraged by how they finished both of those games, but I think those are normal learning experiences. I expected more bumps in the road early in the season, honestly. Like, I, I know for a fact the Raptors went into this sort of experiment thinking this is going to cost us some games, but it's going to pay off. And I think it cost them fewer games than they expected yeah. early in the year. So, yeah, you can point that out. Um, I, I think it would be crazy to suggest that this isn't something they have to worry about in the playoffs that reverting back to their habits is like not a thing they have to guard against. Cause of course it is it, it, when you're tested, that's when you tend to go back to what's comfortable. And I, I had a great quote from Nick nurse um, where he just said, this will be judged in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, everything we're doing is about that. We won't truly know how successful it'll be until then. That, that's me paraphrasing it. I'm not looking at the quote right now. And it didn't end up making the story because I, I just thought that was sort of the subtext of the whole thing. Yeah. was like they made this change because of what kept happening in the playoffs and they're hoping it'll be different this time. And what they've done so far is encouraging, but it is not proof of anything. Like they, they still have to do it. They still have to show that this was worth it when the pressure is on, when they might be in an opposing arena with the crowd going crazy and when their best players are being trapped and other people are going to have to step up. like that That is the true test, and you, you can't simulate that until you're there. Yeah, and I guess the, the struggles of the bench in the last few games might you know concern some people. I think it's probably going to end up being fine. DeLon Wright will come back. I think he's been pretty sincerely missed over the last couple games here, uh, especially with Norm Powell struggling so bad, and that's like a whole other podcast talking about what's gone on with Norm this season. But uh, everything's it's looking... Sad, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of perplexing. I don't know what's going on there. He just, like, he looks... 
kind of lost. Um, and I talked about this a bit on yesterday's show after the after the Suns game. It's just I don't really know where his like verve and mojo went, but it's somewhere and it needs to come back if this is really going to truly work. Because he's a really important guy. He saved their asses in two playoff series already in his career. So uh, you're going to want him being at you know something resembling you know his full functionality come playoff time. Um, but I, I think overall, like as you kind of alluded to in the, in the piece and with the numbers that the Raptors are putting up so far this season, like everything is looking really positive for 26 games into the year, and we're only a third of the way through. Um, so I think it's only going to get smoother, and the offense will look healthier as we go along here. One last one for you, James. Uh, th- there's a new Dwayne Caseyism in this piece, in which he says <laughs> it's a different way to skin an apple. Correct. Uh, how many ways that is, how many ways have you personally skinned an apple? Have I skinned it? I never thought that was a thing. Well, like now. you didn't have like I, when I you were a kid. Yeah. Well, did you when you were a kid your parents didn't like peel the apples for you or when you're making pie you have to skin the apple? Yeah. But yeah, usually sure. that's just like um, you take a knife and you go around in a circle. I didn't know there were multiple ways to skin an apple. <laughs> According <laughs> to Dwayne Casey there are. I actually like when he gave me the quote, I like it, there was a sort of like sort of light bulb moment. I'm like, did he really just say that? And then <laughs> I I listened to it back multiple times. I didn't want to misquote him. Yeah. But like I he clearly said skin the apple, so I was just like, this is this is great. This is going in. Uh, but yeah, I never encountered that phrase before. I have heard him say different ways to skin the cat before. I yeah. think that was one of his sayings. And my theory, I haven't asked him about this. My theory is that. Either someone talked to him about it or he just thought, like, that's kind of a weird thing to keep saying. Like, why are we talking about skinning cats? I should cut back on that. So he started to say it and then he, he went to skinning an apple because nobody gets hurt if you're cutting an apple, right? So that, that that's my working theory on how he got there. I applaud his creativity. Um, that, that I've actually talked to Raptors players in the past about his his various Casey-isms. Um, and I know they're a constant source of amusement for people around the team. And for, for media members as well. So I, I was very happy to throw that quote in there, um, even though I was admittedly perplexed by it at first and not sure if I'd heard the right thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a new one. He's had, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. It's like a thing around the Raptors, but uh, yeah. glad. Nor that... Powell told me his favorite one was he would tell people to, like, don't forget your billfolds instead of wallets. <laughs> <they build. laughs> And Norm was like, what's a billfold? What is happening? So, so yeah, he, he's, he's got some good lines for Oh, sure. Dwayne Casey, forever. James Herbert, forever. Man, this was good. Uh, very happy we could have you on the show. Uh, go to this, Go to CBSSports.com, read James's piece. Uh, the title of it is How the Raptors Got Sick of Playoff Letdowns and Broke All Their Bad Habits. Uh, it's an excellent piece, so you should definitely read it. James, do you have anything else you want to plug right now? Um, I have a couple other stories that went up this week. Um, today there was I had two pieces going up today. One was the Raptors story. One was something on Lakers veterans talking to me about the Lonzo Ball media circus. Mm. Um, and there was another Ball Brothers story. I talked to uh, a guy named Billy Barron, who you might remember uh, playing college at Canisius. He was, he was on the Bulls summer league team. He looked like he might end up being an NBA player. Thus far has not been. He's playing Turkey right now. Uh, but I talked to him about the year that he spent playing in Lithuania. And he did not play um, for this team that the Ball brothers just signed to. He actually played with the same team Jonas Valanciunas played for, uh, okay. Raitas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at, at the time, they were coached 
by this guy who will be coaching the Ball Brothers, and he spoke no English, and he sold meat out of the back of his out of the trunk of his car after practices, and it was just an all around weird sort of less than ideal situation for a basketball player. And I talked to him about that year and like what the Ball Brothers can expect. So th- those are my three latest stories. There will be more coming. CBSSports.com at outside the NBA on Twitter. James, thanks for coming on, man. We'll have you on again soon. I'm sure once you write another great piece. Thank you, Sean.